0: Welcome to the Resilient Mind podcast, exploring how our thoughts and feelings influence our actions. I am Steve Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More, a professional coaching firm. and
1: I'm Andrew Mangoni, founder
0: and CEO of
1: Steel City Pack Leader. Together, we founded Pittsburgh Pet Care, where coaching and pet care meet. And this is our podcast.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Resilient Mind podcast with Andrew and Steve. I'm Steve Nathanson, here with my very good friend, Andrew Marangoni. Andrew, how are you today, brother?
1: I'm fantastic. We got a blue sky. I'm very, very excited for the day. I'm feeling energized. I'm happy. You know, we got a guest. It's a good morning.
0: Yeah, and for your NHL fans, Penguins are ahead in our series. So it is a very good day here in Pittsburgh. And with that, Andrew great call out. We have a very special guest today, Christy Mandor. So Christy, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners, please.
2: Sure thing. Hi, guys. I'm I'm so happy to be here, Steve. Thank you. And Andrew, thank you so much. I, so I'm Christy Mandor. I own a business called So to Speak, and I do emotional intelligence coaching within businesses. I work with established and emerging leaders within organizations to help them strengthen their emotional intelligence Sometimes it's introducing them to emotional intelligence, debunking them, but really showing how it's always an inside job and how you start with yourself, the outside inevitably changes for the better as well. Uh, And I also am an avid writer and host the Closet Series, which is a video and podcast series that has cross-industry guests come on to talk about questions that we often keep in the closet. Steve, you were one of them about democratizing coaching, which was awesome, awesome, awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely loved uh, doing it. And if you haven't checked out anything that Chrissy's done, please do it because incredible woman, very, very, very thankful to have you on the show because there's a lot of synergy in what you and I do and the conversations that we've had. So I'm really excited actually to share that with our audience and to that point that you were just touching on about emotional intelligence, it absolutely does start with us. And when we can go through that process, right, from self-awareness of that change, that understanding and creating that greater intelligence within us emotionally, growth mindset, you know, a lot of these concepts that we talk about, it blends off onto people. It starts showing them that it's possible. It shows them the way, but also as leaders you start walking the walk, not only just talking the talk, and then you influence how that really comes out in others as well. So I'll get off uh, kind of my soapbox there. And actually I'm curious to turn it over to you and see if you you agree and you know, what else maybe you see from your work.
2: Well, you just dropped so many beautiful nuggets within that one <laughs> piece right there. Uh, you know, there's, you really did, like there's so much humility and emotion, inherently in being willing, which is the operative word, You and I have spoken about that. Anybody can be coached if they're willing. If they're not willing, it's a, it's a, it's a, I won't say a dead end, it's a block. So if you're willing, there's major humility in that, especially if by society standards, you've reached a certain level of success to be able to say that there's still areas to grow. I mean, some people might be like, I don't need it. They need it. So I'm the president of the company. I'm the CFO, the CEO, the COO, whatever. Give it to them because I'm good. And what that does is actually, I've noticed, and I would love for you to hop in here too. I have just noticed that that is counterproductive for why they're bringing us in. (laughs) It actually creates more divisiveness. It creates more distrust. It can even erode respect, which um, is needed, which is so needed. So I feel like there's emotional intelligence does absolutely start internally. You just need to be able to be willing to step yeah. into it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, and there's a great point in there that you've brought out. And you know, Andrew, I know you face this as well in the work that you do. But you're right. A lot of times, it's here's a problem. Go fix it. Right. This is something that they need to be dealing with uh, or rectified, if you will. Uh, had a recent conversation actually, and I won't share details or names on it, but part of it was there's three scenarios essentially that coaching is used for. And one of them is uh, rehabilitation, if you will, was not the exact word that was used, but you're being brought in as a coach to essentially fix a problem as your last resort. And, and so I, I think that there are scenarios, just like you're calling out, right, that can create. Uh, that disconnect it can even cause resentment I feel in addition to that lack of respect that you're you're noting and it's actually a great thing because you know we haven't talked about this on the show yet we haven't talked about for us as coaches or people who are in that giving altruistic uh, arenas that are in any service industry resilience for us as well and what we do so actually I really kind of enjoy where this is this is going in and Andrew, I'd love for you maybe to chime in as well of what you see, because I, I think we can have a great topic today of what does it take for us to be resilient as people who serve others?
1: Right. And, you know, one of the things that I think that's important that you brought up was <clears throat> I deal with that kind of the same thing as people are bringing me in because they their dogs have issues. It's not their problem. The dog has issues. And I was like, right, but you're completely responsible for setting your dog up for success. So, their issues are a reflection of what you are aware of, not aware of, what you're doing, not doing, and all of that stuff. So, it comes back when you're the leader of an organization. 100% 100 responsibility is you. And everything you see in your organization is a reflection of a place where either you didn't show clarity or you need areas of improvement. If you see problems there, you know, it, you know, you could be a proactive boss and be like, everything's going great. I'm going to make it even greater <laughs> by making sure that, you yeah. know, we're ahead of the game before problems even arise, you know, yeah. having good communication and having a mutual level of respect and treating everyone who's involved with that, um, that worthiness is we all belong here. We're all getting together to accomplish things.
0: Yeah. And dare I say it comes actually kind of full circle to your initial point, Christy, of that mentality of just fix it, if you will. Yeah.
2: So two things that you both said that piggyback on what I was gonna say. So Andrew hit the nail. You said it at least twice, we, we when there's that divisiveness where we're being quote unquote called in to fix the problem, which, in, which translates to a lot of people as the person, like the problem is the person, which is a horrible feeling to feel that way. It creates a very static us, them divide. So silos is a, a common cliched word. People love or hate it, it whatever you call it, it happens. <laughs> so it's like the more that there's that divisiveness of us and them, it creates that energetic feeling. So to Andrew's point, I love that you brought in the idea of being a leader to your dog because it's it's energy. Dogs are, if anything, I don't care what type of animal person you are, animals just are radar for energy. So they just can sniff it out before someone even walks in the room. And, and that's where the self-compassion piece, which I feel there's five pillars of emotional intelligence, which we can get into. I feel there needs to be six because I think self-compassion isn't, it's the foundation for it. When you're going to do anything that requires taking a look at yourself there, it need you need self zero. I, I absolutely am. So on that side, I don't, I'm, it's like not a non-negotiable. You need self-compassion.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause they, they really do go hand in hand. Um, uh, not to get too academic right but if you look at those components of emotional intelligence uh, great great call on on the fifth what's interesting about it is you've read the self-awareness the self-management relationship uh, management and the social awareness are kind of the typical four domains but it mm-hmm. was empathy empathy used yeah. to be a fifth domain and that oh it's not bled- anymore it blended into four so oh. what's interesting is you're right like it started as those five and then later on and like I said, sorry about the academics. <laughs> Goleman took empathy and boiled it into the other four components. And then later even expanded relationship management, excuse me, yeah, relationship management and social awareness into social intelligence and said, you know what? That wasn't sufficient. Here's a new mm. broken open theory on it. I love why we're highlighting this though, because even with it in the four domains it's often kind of missed that that's a critical component of it that empathy piece and then when you look at self-compassion and those elements of self-forgiveness common humanity and mindfulness which are the three components of self-compassion they really go hand in hand you've got to have self-compassion to truly be emotionally aware and emotionally aware to be self-compassionate uh and i'm curious actually what do you find is maybe the biggest sticking point for the people that you work with in, in all of this kind of holistically? Is it on the empathy, the other domains, emotional intelligence? Is it on self-compassion? You know, what do you what do you see, Christy?
2: Where they feel a little challenged or a little stuck? Is yeah. that what? Um, I don't see it as a, it, it depends on the, so it depends on the person. I do feel like they're stereotypical gender whether you are, you know, relating to yourself as male or relating to yourself as female, very stereotypical differences Mm. with how we are viewed in society.
0: Yeah.
2: And there, and also how you were raised in your life experience for sure. Uh, But I do feel like that's, so with that said, I feel like it depends on what you're called in for. So if it's because there is some discord going on with departments or whatever it is, there could be trust issues. So there could be a social awareness block. Like I don't want to see whatever it is. If you're called in for maybe helping in regards to building their leadership or they just were, which I you and I have spoken about, that going from internally being motivated or internally being promoted and then going from bud to boss quote unquote that feeling then that there's that social awareness piece and then there's also a block of like internally having to deal with going off of your point about empathy This is a little circle, but stay with me. Is that the self compassion piece is simultaneously building your capacity for empathy because you're looking at yourself, which then allows you to sit in discomfort with other people. So you're building that empathy with others, which allows you to have stronger boundaries. So, what I notice is that across, if we overarched everything, boundaries, 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 we just, we are not taught how to do it we don't know i feel and i feel like that transcends whatever gender that you consider yeah. yourself as i feel like that's something that that would be the sticking point i would say that would be is is how to set clear boundaries with compassion
0: yeah. i feel
2: like it's very like mutually exclusive this idea of i'm either caring or i am you know hard-nosed so i if i'm empathetic <laughs> i'm going to be steamrolled so i can't be empathetic and it's just like no 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 Let's unpack
0: that. Yeah. There's very good points in in all of that because boundary work, I think, is incredibly important from the stance of we may feel violated at work because no one listens to uh, our off time or we don't have enough time. We're off balance, right? That's that's one of the typical ways I see it kind of come out is I have no work-life balance. I have no boundaries. My boss is emailing me at two in the morning uh, and then expecting me to respond at six in the morning, but I just went to bed at 1 a.m. You know, Don't you see that, right? Don't you understand that I'm getting four hours of sleep at night, I'm killing myself and you don't care? Very real world example. And I think underneath that, it's what are those boundaries that are getting violated, but what do they look like as well? And then once we create that awareness around it, then how do we start implementing it and holding true to that? Not only for ourselves, but for others and do it in a way that isn't just, you know, absolutely. This is the way it's going to be. And that's it. Sorry. Right.
2: Right. (laughs) Which is more compassionate, which, which is so like it that. So that's usually how we flow, right? Like it's either like super porous boundaries because we want to be nice or rigid which is still underneath it. Like I'm so afraid of having to deal with what's underneath. So I'm just gonna do it. Take it off like band aid. This is it. I'm gonna be rigid. Yep. And so there's that gray area. So when you, I love the example, which I feel so many people could relate to in regards to the 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 work life balance and how you know using your example about the emailing it for going back to what you were talking about with sticky points, why that triggers someone is so different for per person. <laughs> yeah. It's so different per person. So it's, uh, you. so as coaches, we could go in and assume that we know like, oh, they're frustrated because of this, but that's where we really have to get curious with our initial judgment, which might be a sense. It might be an intuitive hit, and then we yeah. can check in, mm-hmm. or we could say, you know, I'm curious what it is about that, that, that initiated that at first, you know, yeah. to really understand it. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's spot on because it, it's important. Real quick tangent uh, to be very coaching for a second. I may not understand a single thing about what you're telling me and I can still successfully coach you Like coaching allows for that. But I truly believe if you understand as a coach, it makes it even that much more impactful and better. And why I bring that out was I think that understanding is beneficial twofold from you as a coach, right, the collective view here, kind of as coaches, to be able to coach somebody through that. But also, very importantly for that person, getting back to our emotional intelligence on that self-awareness piece is, what is it that caused me to essentially explode? what has been festering under the surface that I have buried, ignored, or perhaps tried to convey, but haven't successfully conveyed it, uh, or conveyed it in a way where someone clearly understands that now has caused that eruption versus maybe understanding a little bit more around our boundaries, what is being violated, what isn't, and then how to bring that up sooner (laughs) versus like you said, going from zero to a hundred, essentially, yeah, a lot of good wisdom. In there, <laughs> uh, Andrew. What are your What are your thoughts, my friend?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, I was thinking about boundaries in general, and I do agree that a lot of people kind of have like the very I hold them so rigid, or um, you know, I I have them, but like I, most of the time, I just let them get eroded by everyone's needs. Um, and what I have found is that, you know, the boundaries are important for the person setting the boundaries because it's helping them be as efficient as possible with what they got going on. And when you explain that to other people, um, it helps aid in the support of your boundaries because people respect them and they don't look at them as like, oh, you're just some rule guy, right? Is you know, no, I I have these because this helps me help you more efficiently. You know, if I'm, if I'm always getting dragged in one direction or another, I'm all over the place, I can't focus on helping you or supporting you. So I need time, you know, I can't respond to an email instantly, like I respond to emails on certain days, and I tell people that. And I think that's the other part of it is being upfront and clear about what your boundaries are, allows for communication to flow more freely between people because I think a lot goes unsaid because of fear of what is this person going to think about how I feel about this situation or you know you want something from something but you put yourself in their shoes and you're afraid to ask because you're like well if somebody asked me of that I don't know how I'd feel about it blah 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 and you're telling yourself all these stories so I think that You know, for somebody who struggled with boundaries, and then Steve, when we did our work, you helped me structure some, um, and also put some in place for my staff to help them, you know, it really cleaned up a lot of um, un-communicated you know, junk in between all of my staff and I, yeah. uh, is we talked about like, what are the expectations of how we communicate to each other? What do you want? And I allowed room for everyone's to be different. I didn't say, here's the company policy. I said, how do you want to be communicated with? What are your times that you want me to stop communicating with? Cause some of my team are go-getters and they're like, you know, I, I, if there's a work available, I want you to let me know. I was like, all right, fine. Other people are like, after 6 p.m., don't contact me. <laughs> fine, yep. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I think it's important. Boundaries are important for all parties for clarity, and yeah. I, I think if you look at them as support, not just like stingent rules that we have to abide by, um, because you know, life is gray. It's not black and white. It's not always this or always that, or never this or never that. It's well, sometimes. And, you know, again, if, if somebody needs to push into my boundaries and, you know, I evaluate it and I allow it, that's a different story than somebody just steamrolling my boundaries.
0: Yeah. You know, and actually, since we're really kind of digging into this topic about boundaries, I'm curious, Christy, what do you find helps your clients the best set forth? or maybe even basically understand and then set forth your boundaries?
2: Well, we so I, I mean, taking it more contextually, depending on what the situation is, I usually go to big picture, like, so how are you feeling right now with that happening? How do you want to feel? And then we close the gap, right? So if they don't know where they are, I always equate it to the analogy of being on a map like you are here you can go anywhere you want, as long as you know where you are, or else you're just going to be aimlessly wandering and getting yeah. lost in the woods and what, who knows what, and then they get that, then they can kind of, and again, that self-regulates too. So of course, when we bring up any situation where boundaries are shaky, it's going to, ev- it's going to evoke emotion. It just will. And and then we unpack like, well, there's an upside to this. You clearly care, or this would not. So I, I, I work to prag- pragmatically reframe it. I'm not a huge I have a love-hate relationship with positive thinking because I think it can sometimes create a fluffy, look this way, don't look at all the, like, look at all the flowers. it's like, no. So um, I heard something recently called powerful thinking Mm -hmm. instead of positive thinking, which Mm -hmm. I really loved. I felt like it had roots in it. So I do say, okay, so this makes sense that given the circumstance, this would create this kind of shakiness in you about setting this boundary or changing the boundary, right? what is this telling you you care about? And then when we dig into their values, there's like a, there's a relief. It's not as tight. And then when you do the zoom out, no matter how you do it, which we can get into if it, if it comes up just different ways that I do that. It's been researched that that helps with the self-regulation piece of just being objective, just immediately within seconds, create self-regulation because you taking that mindful pause outside of yourself immediately creates a sense of safety awareness so that you're not as in whatever's happening and then uh once we so we might dive into the values okay so why do you love those values what is it how does it make you feel again and then it's like okay And, and even guys that may you know and i am being stereotypical it's not all guys it is also some women who get really frustrated with the emotional intelligence thing Because they're like, I've been in the industry or I've been in the workforce for 30 years and I've been told time and again, don't show your emotions. Now all of a sudden it's changing. What if it changes back? Like they get really frustrated and I totally get it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never looked at it like that. So with that said, I, I do have a tendency to just preface by saying, this is not touchy feely. Let's get in touch with our feelings. It's science backed. Yep. When you can name it to tame it, you know if you're familiar with Dan Siegel, he talks about name it to tame it, name it to frame it, and then you have more agency over your life. Right. You don't feel as hopeless, and then the boundaries don't. They don't feel as intimidating, and we don't attach them like gel bars. Like we're in a cell, it it, it shifts it. And and to tap into that too, another thing I'll do is I'll change the word. I'm like, if you don't like the word boundary, screw it. Let's just erase yeah. it. What do you want? What is it? What is it? What's something that you feel like could help with that? Well, I want some stability. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then stability is your word instead. It, Cause because words create that vibration and it shifts it shifts things. Yeah. So
0: yeah. It, there's a lot of resonance in this, I think, holistically towards the topic. A couple things that jumped out to me is on the whole positive thinking side, I think it's a great illustration of this all or nothing, the black or white thinking that we were talking about, right, is yes. I can't be wholeheartedly positive because that's not the world. And then it's just too fluffy. You want me to be all flowers and rainbows and blow smoke. And no, that's not that's not what we want. But we have that stigma associated with it. And we are mm-hmm. so zero to a hundred versus, you know, being in that, say 50 range of that 40, 60, you know, it causes that kind of uh, thing to typically, I think, come out. And there's an art there to thinking about, and the terminology I, I use is serving and non-serving versus say positive and negative, you know, what's going to be serving, it, what's going to be helpful for us. What is that right blend? And I think there's value in, <clears throat> In that positivity element from the standpoint, or even the powerful thinking element of, you're literally activating different nervous systems within your body. And when we think quote unquote negatively or down on ourselves, we activate a nervous system that actually literally does keep us down physiologically. But it is different when we activate the other system, it's gonna uplift us. Very similar to exercise and working out that release endorphins that literally make us happier that's we're focusing on say solutions, outcomes, desires want. So there's a great kind of underlying reason to have more kind of serving powerful oriented thoughts. I won't say positive in there, but thoughts that do help us that are serving. And there's a wonderful point I think that you're bringing out in there. And one of the other things that is very real in this workplace, it's generational say differences born from circumstances and experiences, and it still exists. As much as we would like it to not exist, that's still relevant, it's still there. And it's the same thing with gender differences in the workplace as well. There are a lot of people who feel like, oh, I can't do something because of who I am in the workplace, kind of across the board. And part of what I wish didn't exist was breaking down those barriers, right? Helping us actually holistically understand that we're all human and we're all in it together and it doesn't have to be that way. But part of being able to do that is to have this work done with people to break down those barriers and start that shift. Um, So I think there's a lot of wonderful things that you you brought out. And there is, number one, what is going to serve us in the best way possible? And then I think number two, on the coaching side, what's going to serve our clients in the best way possible? I don't have to call boundaries. I don't have to get all woo-woo. The art for us, and this is kind of breaking open the veil a little bit, is how do I leverage the framework of coaching to best work with the kind of person that I'm working with? Because it resonates with them and it helps open up their eyes and their mindset to the path that's going to help serve them in the best way possible. And sometimes that is going to be very woo-woo. It's also going to be very philosophical. But for others, it's going to be very direct, to the point, analytical, and meeting our clients where they are. Is hugely important. And same thing as leaders, leveraging that emotional intelligence to be able to identify where somebody is and what's the best way to work with them and to resonate with them.
2: A hundred percent. I just want to add on with what you were saying, because I feel like it, such a parallel with coaching and serving. So serving, if you're in any leadership position, you're, if you're in a traditional, I, because I do believe we're all leaders. If you're in a traditional leadership position where you have more power, which creates more impact and influence with people. Being able to have that idea of anchoring yourself within your own integrity and your own value system, so serving yourself first, like you said, allows you to then be able to not abandon or lose yourself when you are either coaching or leading other people within your team. You know, if you're a coach and you have different clients within an organization, you need to stay rooted with yourself so that you can get clear with if that client is someone who wants direct. Well, maybe you're not super direct, but you can conjure up something that is within you that can lean into that, or someone who is a little needs a little bit more of a or does does like the idea of quote unquote woo woo. So okay, so that is me whatever it is, just being able to anchor within yourself first, because I do feel like possibly your audience are very serving population is what I would gather knowing you. <laughs> so there is a tendency that anything going in first is like, no, it is mm-hmm. not okay. It's selfish. If I go in first. yeah. And it's, it, 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 it's been talked about so much about self-care and about all of this. And at the same time, There is this sense of self anchoring where you're able to bring those gifts that you're here to offer out to the world. And I'll, and I'll just, you know, and not to get too off on the wording, you know, when you say woo, woo, or like, if you don't like woo, woo. Change the word. I mean, change yeah. it. Like let's yeah. unpack that. Like that's that's something too, because so much of what was considered once woo-woo is backed in science now. Yeah. There are three brains in the head and the heart and the gut. Like they're it, it's changing. So I feel like it's important to be able to more than anything create a trusting environment for your coachee your client, to be able your direct report, whoever your colleague, to be able to. Trust you to be able to create that space of trust, so these conversations can come up. Like, hey, I noticed that when I said "woo woo," I sensed you kind of, you kind of left for a second. Yep. I could yep. be off on that, but and then you get to unpack this great conversation that, if not unpacked, may have created a disconnect for the next thirty minutes of the session.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And I, I love what you brought out for this sole purpose. Words have power. They truly 100%. do. And keeping kind of aligned with one of the themes that we are talking about this all or nothing today, it's very much a similar vein when you talk about being woo-woo and then you talk about words and fluffy and all rainbows. I'm just a direct person, right? I just want to give direct. That, you know what? That works. Here's the thing that I find gets jumbled up in it we are very capable of being direct in a way that actually is going to impact people in a serving way versus the way that we typically communicate today. And I won't go down the tangent and rabbit hole of what we see in TVs and movies and social media that influences that, com- that communication style. But I say this all too often. It's not what we say that's the issue. It's how we say it. So there's absolutely 100% a way to be direct and not cause people to be upset. It's just choosing slightly different words and conveying it in a different way than perhaps we're taught or used to doing, but it's not all fluffy and sunshine and rainbows. And that's okay, because there's a way to successfully do it. So I, you reminded me of that point that I, that I wanted to share because words yeah. absolutely do have power and meaning. Uh, yeah.
2: They do. And, and, and Andrew, I want to bring you in here too. I just want to add one more piece onto what you just said you can there is possibility for you to be able to be direct how the other person takes it is completely out of your control so if you feel like you're you're going to work on being direct and the outcome is going to be that this person receives it well and then they don't you're going to be like you may fly all the way down to feeling awful about yourself or you may fly down to blaming the other person like i really worked on this and you didn't so it's the repair Right. It's being able to be emotionally intelligent enough to go, Oh, I just got a little hot because it took me a lot to be direct when I'm usually very, you know, I avoid difficult conversations and I really was direct and I'm in a newly minted role and I have to give this information to my, this feedback to someone who is a colleague. Or I just, I'm now the CEO and I'm not used to this and I have to give this, and I'm a little intimidated by my CFO or whatever it is. I mean, it happens all the time. I don't care how much power you have. So being able to realize like, again, anchoring yourself into who you are within that integrity and unpacking that with a coach. like What does that even look like? Because I'm so used to what I'm supposed to be and success Mm -hmm. outside. What does it like vibrationally feel like to be aligned So that when you are direct, according to Steve, according to Christy, (laughs) then you know what, you know that you delivered it the best you could by being direct and kind and how the person takes it. It doesn't mean they take it right or wrong. It means you can circle back and say, I really did work to be able to be direct in this way with you. And I'm sorry if it did, but can we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, then it yeah. brings up the conversation. So yeah, you have yeah. stuff to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. Cause you're, you're right. You know, I can't control in this conversation, right? I can't control how you react to the words that I, that I choose Christy. right? It's just an exact illustration of what you brought out. Yes. Word choice can influence that. Though, right? I could say, hey, you're making me angry. Yeah, you're not, by the way, <laughs> right? But I could use that phrase. And in there, the word you can cause you to feel defensive, right? It causes anybody to feel defensive. So there's tricks in there. Like I can use I statements and said, you know, I apologize. I'm getting a little flustered. And we're not putting that on the other person who's like, well, it's not my fault you're getting angry, right? Can be Absolutely. their reaction. Uh, so before I go down that that rabbit hole, apologize, Andrew. Yes. I'd love yes. for you to, to, bring to Andrew jump in. in.
1: <laughs> I, I I just enjoy listening a lot of times too. Um, but again, I, I think that that comes back to is when you are in line with your values and your principles and you're being responsible, you know, you know, that there's a risk to being direct and it being taken wrong. Right. Yeah. But your intent wasn't to harm that person's feelings or, or to make them feel a certain way. Um, it's actually one of my favorite things to, to talk about is when people are like, you make me feel this way. I was like, don't have that power. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I just don't, you feel a certain way. And if I, if I can change what I'm doing to avoid that, cool. If not, we can talk about that, you know, um, because there's, i I, i've i've found that people pleasing and trying to like tiptoe around things is probably the least serving thing we got going on in today's world um not being direct and beating around the bush being passive aggressive you know in in many fashions that's the the way of the world today is you know if i can't be direct i'm gonna be super passive aggressive about Mm. it um which doesn't serve anyone. We know that. Um, so, yeah, I, it is all about finding that resilience in yourself to say, like, I, I know what I'm working towards and I know what I'm doing and I'm trying to support and help other people in the same fashion. Um, a lot of times what I find is that holding that space open for people, if they get comfortable, people find it to be very helpful and get unstuck and we get things going. And, you know, the same thing happens with dogs is like, when people call me, I'm like, well, what's the root cause of all this, right? Like, And the same thing goes for coaching is it's, it's not the problems that are arising. It's what are the root causes that are getting these problems to show up? Um, so I think that's a big part of emotional intelligence in general is getting to the science of emotion drives behavior. So if we can tap into the antecedents that either cause the emotion or be aware of what's bringing up those emotions to cause the behavior, then we can get ahead of it and start looking at it reframing. And I agree with you 100%. I I love the idea of reframing things in a positive fashion or a serving fashion. But I think that people look at the same way when I try to explain people of what we're trying to do with food and reactivity cases with dogs is I was like, we're trying to change the emotion. We're not bribing, distracting your dog to not do the thing, right? Is we are trying to say something else is possible, right? Mm -hmm. And in doing so, the emotions change and the emotion of, that's not scary anymore. I can look to you for direction, I can look to you for security. Once that emotion is established, then you can actually start training. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the same thing goes when you're working with a human is if you know, if you're giving them stuff to do and you're just saying, well, don't think that way, think this way. That's not going to work for a lot of people it is like, why do you feel that way? And let's talk about that. And is that really the case? What's really happening? Can we can we dive into that? Because at the end of the day, that's what I find it is: is that people have written a story about how somebody is or why somebody's doing something, and until they can let go of that story, we can't really move forward anyway.
2: Yeah. Wow, Andrew, dropping the truth bombs! Like, who would have known? <laughs> and all coming from. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much of what you said that's found I'm hearing like the parallel between dog human is that foundational piece of trust and security. So, and that's also where the humility piece comes in because if to, to be able to establish this bond with your dog or human, it all comes down to, from what I'm gathering too. Andrew chime in here is you being able to be humble enough to be able to see where you're, where, where you're contributing. So we often, I lo- that was one thing I loved was that, was that reframe wording that I heard a while ago was when we are saying like blaming ourselves or blaming the other, shifting it to contribution and it creates this gray in between. So it's very, um, I just think, I feel like that's something that I'm hearing from what you're saying. Like where, where all of us, all three of us right now are contributing to this conversation. How, how it ends up, we're, we're all responsible for our part in contributing. So whether you look at it, quote unquote, as good or bad, we're all contributing. So it's the same thing in any situation, whether it has to do with dog or human. I, I just love that idea. and And yeah, and not to look away, like when you were saying this before, Steve, too, it's for you to be able to look at yourself and look at like the icky human parts and not look away and do it in a supportive space with probably someone else because we want to be seen by someone else and feeling comfortable with that there's that um it's not just the trust with the other person you're building that resiliency within yourself because you know that you can move through it you're not going to get there i I may be projecting here i do feel like this is a common feel that it's the unknown so we feel like it's a vortex of darkness it's like we're never going to come out of it if we go in it and it's so not true It's so not true. And it usually is from having another person's presence there, which is so beautiful because that's, there's such a um, visceral feeling of connection when you're able to be seen versus Andrew, what you were saying. And I was saying before, look over here at the shiny penny or the beautiful landscape. It's, it's almost in a way I find telling of the person who's having you look this way, their discomfort with anything that Mm -hmm. is quote unquote positive. So there's so much there.
0: <laughs> uh, right. You know, there and, really isn't. You know, an... Oh, Andrew, go ahead. Sorry.
2: I was going to
1: say as, as a young professional that I, when I was younger, I always felt this huge responsibility to like give so much that like they, they couldn't deny my value. And a lot of times, like it was too much and it was overwhelming people and like, and it took a while for me to get to a place where I could have uncomfortable things happen and not just jump in and try to be like, nope, we're shutting that down. We're going to have to fix all this is let it play out, do some observing. And then, and then once it's happened, sit there for a minute and talk to the people about like what, what we just experienced and what's, what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was amazing how I had all the answers before I really knew what I was doing, and now that I'm really good at what I'm doing, I have more questions than answers. But it seems to be more serving than anything, um, and we're getting better results with way less than we ever had before um, because we're not we're not looking to all different directions. We're we're looking at what's happening, and let's 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 look at what can and can't be done, and and what. What would we like to see happen? And can we practice that? And what does the practice of that feel like? Um, There's different roads of getting out of things. And I like the idea of, um, you know, bringing it all together into reframing and, and making it, you know, what is it that we're looking for and how we create that. With that in mind, to that point,
0: Andrew, and creation, I'd actually love to shift kind of briefly into one last question that we actually love to ask guests on the show about creation, which is essentially, what does a transformative world look like to you, Christy? Meaning, you know, what is the world that you want to create and live in? So with that, actually, love to hear your thoughts.
2: Wow, that's a fantastic question. Uh, It got me very excited. So clearly, it's hopeful. (laughs) It did. I was like, oh, that would be I'm an idealist. I am. So uh, it works when I write fiction. <laughs> in the real world, I have to root myself in that pragmatism, which is that grounded optimism. Like when you say how you look at it as serving, I, I call it grounded optimism. That you, mm. You're optimistic and you're grounded. So a transformative world would be more people who are groundedly optimistic. Whatever that means to you. So whoever's listening or viewing, what what does that mean to you where you're able to be grounded with what Andrew was just sharing instead of whack a mole like, oh, I got to fix this because it's very uncomfortable because we've all been there and being able to be to ground yourself in it and realize you're just, you're coasting through on your, you're riding through on the waves and you're still optimistic to what's happening. That's what I feel a transformative world. Hmm. would look like
0: yeah
1: yeah i i I concur i like that um there's a there's a lot to be said about standing and grounding and being optimistic and there is it's part of zen philosophy actually is that no matter what's happening to me it's the best possible thing that could be happening to me right now even if it's uncomfortable and horrible (laughs) um and there is such a strong um, resiliency piece when you can hold true to that, because no matter what's happening is you don't necessarily know that everything is going to be all right, but you know, you'll be all right.
0: Hmm. And that brings out, I think, a lot of concepts that we have talked about today, kind of coming full circle of. Just being comfortable and confident in who you are. And that's, I think, what I take away from the word grounded, right? What that means to me is knowing who I am, being comfortable in it. And then I like the optimistic part as well, because if we always get caught in, quote, unquote, the negative, the non-serving stuff, that it's not possible, we're never going to drive change and get to where we ultimately want to go, I think, collectively. So I like the optimistic side because, again, apologize maybe for getting too academic here, but (laughs) there's a big difference between hoping and wishing. Essentially, wishing is, oh, I wish that would happen, right? But we never take any action towards it. It's just kind of a thought that we would like to see happen. Hope fundamentally actually has an action component to it. When I am hopeful, I take action towards something. And so I love the optimistic part because I think it helps drive that through the hope that something is possible. And it actually motivates us towards taking action and making it a part of this this world. So uh, I very much love your answer as well, Christy. Uh, So thank you for sharing that with us.
2: You're so so welcome. And the hopeful piece is all about having agency. I mean, just to end my bit on this is we are in such a a space whether it's globally with everything happening in the world, community within your community, wherever you're listening or watching this right now, in your own home where it can, it, it can be a much easier path to look at it as wishing and at the same, because then there's this feeling of like, Oh, it's too much. It's too overwhelming to look at it. It's the storm, the eye of the storm. But that hopeful piece creates that sense of agency of like, I am hopeful. What's one small way that you can pivot towards the transformative world that you want to see? Like just one, I'm, I'm so into the micro Mini, you know, if you're big, if you're like, go big or go home, knock yourself out. If you're feeling overwhelmed by that idea, though, just like one way you can pivot towards, like, one thing you can do today when you look at the news or you listen to however you take your news in, it could be decreasing your amount of taking in the news. It could be decreasing the way you take in the news. I take in the no- news almost solely through reading because mm-hmm. then I'm in control of the pace, I'm in control of the voice, I'm in control of the visual. I'm very sensitive. So that works for me. And then I feel more agency. I feel like, okay, I do not like that this is happening. What's one small thing I can do. And then I feel more hopeful. So I I just want to throw that into as one way that people can build resiliency as well.
0: I love it. And actually, before I forget, I would love for you to share with our listeners how they can learn more about you, get in touch with you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that, um, yeah, yeah great. absolutely.
2: So they can go to So To Speak, which is www.sowtospeak.com. On Instagram, it's at Christy Mandor, so that's my name. On LinkedIn, it's So To Speak by Christy Mandor. That's the business because we got to do all the analytics stuff, but it, I also have a personal, so that, and that it does tend to be a bit more personal, uh, which is Christy Mandor on LinkedIn. And then Facebook, I post stuff about the closet series. I, I don't necessarily go on Facebook as much. And then, uh, YouTube hat, you just do a search for, so to speak, and the closet series podcast. And, um, video series will pop up and steve's is the latest one up so definitely Mm. check that out that conversation was fantastic too so
0: (laughs) yeah thank you uh really enjoyed it this this one's been awesome as well uh just actually real quick mandor m-a-n-d-o-u-r for our listeners uh just in case like me sometimes you need a little help spelling so (laughs) oh and
2: so if that's the case then it's also christy with a k so k-r-i-s-t-y
0: perfect Yes. yes excellent <laughs> uh, thank you, Chrissy, for such an amazing conversation today. Uh, I actually don't want this to stop. So I think we're gonna have to find another time for us to have some kind of recorded conversation again to keep to keep this going. Uh, so Andrew, with that, what do we always say, my friend? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let me down.
1: I did. I, I totally had my brain just space. You called me out and I was like, what are the words I'm looking for? And uh, they're still not there. So you, um, oh, be, be, the, be the movement in your life.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's right. That is right.
2: I See, hope you guys leave that in and you don't edit it out because it was so real. I
0: love it. I love you're, it.
1: No, We're we Total authenticity that here. Yeah. That is totally staying
0: in because yeah. yeah. it's going to be a great laugh for everyone listening. Oh, it's my goodness. Like, Well, it's a great point too. You know what? Actually, I'm going to end this on one last point. Actually, and to kind of cue off that tagline is, we often pursue being perfect, and we view people as perfect, and we put them up on a pedestal. But I think all three of us would probably agree with this: that is, you know what? We're not perfect as human beings, and guess what? That's okay. It's okay to be that because when we put that expectation upon ourselves and we don't meet it, all we end up doing is beating ourselves up and causing things that are worse for us than embracing what we've talked about is that we're human. And that's okay. So that's perhaps what we, we will leave folks with today is it's okay to be you.
1: Yeah. Just Love do that. the best you can do with what you got where you're at.
0: So until the next time, be the movement in your life. If
1: you enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing. If you would like more information on coaching, look at striveformore.com to find Steve's business, or you can look for pet care options at pittsburghpetcare.com. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at contact at pittsburghpetcare.com. See you next time.